pick a pick a lane and get on it and go for it. And if the lane isn't the right lane, it's okay to switch lanes, but pick a lane and focus on it instead of trying to be everything to everybody all at once because you can't. Well, and you can't be really good at a bunch of things. Right. So like when I was learning how to sell insurance or learning insurance, there's so many different types of insurance. You know, and somebody would call you and want to have you insure their airplane and you're like, yeah, sure, I could do that. Well, I have no idea how to do that. Why was I pretending like I did? Um, <laughs> so really kind of honing in on, on the focus that you know, I liked or that excited me and that I wanted to accelerate it. And I think in any, any industry, I think that is where you'll find your most success. Welcome to the Art and Life podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. I just want to say thank you to you, the listener, for being here. This podcast is intended to encourage, inspire, and entertain. The guests of this podcast are digging deep and putting it all out there. And without you on the listening end, it would not be the same. So if you like what you hear, hit subscribe and share it with someone you think might be into it. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, Art and Life. And today with me, I've got a very special guest coming in from the Bay Area of California. We've got Samantha Tredelius. Uh, Samantha, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Taylor, as I almost knocked my microphone off my desk. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> It's good to start like that, you know. It's uh, it's only ways up from here. All right. So the um, so Samantha's awesome. She uh started in insurance, selling insurance with commercial coverage insurance insurance agency with her husband, which has been hugely successful. And then she started the Sparkle Foundation and then Sparkle Biz, which is geared around helping women. Uh, and women-owned businesses have success. And she's also got a podcast called Inspired, which she's going to tell you all about all the things. Uh, but my first question, Samantha, is what are you most passionate about right now in your work? 
I think living a life of purpose is the thing that is my biggest passion and driver. Uh, and I think it kind of trickles through all the things that I do all the time. At certain times, I can definitely say there's more excitement around different parts of my life. Um, but the purpose, you know, part is always the part that I think I gravitate towards. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and so I can definitely see the purpose in your passion work, which is, uh, you know, the sparkle foundation, which we'll get into, but how, how did the purpose element start with your insurance sales? That's a great question. Um, and one that's kind of interesting, because when you think about insurance, you don't really think of it being a super sexy, passionate, like purposeful, you know, it's, it's a product that everybody needs yet everybody hates. Um, what I found to be something I really enjoyed when it came to insurance was being able to help people in their business with that one thing that nobody ever wants to talk about. Cause like most people don't understand it. Um, and even though I've been in the industry for 25 years, there's still things I have no idea what there's like, I have to go do research cause it's constantly changing. So I think the part that was so exciting to me was watching a business, you know, from an incoming phone call from, Hey, I'm starting a business and I need to get insurance to appease my landlord to now 10, 15 years later, I'm super successful. And I have, you know, a hundred employees and I'm making, you know, hundred plus million dollars. Those are the nice fun success stories that I love being a part of that, you know, purposeful journey. Um, and being their insurance go-to gal. So that kind of, you know, makes it fun and exciting for me. Yeah, totally. And I guess I wanted to throw that question out because I have friends who sell insurance and it's cool talking to them and hearing how, um, you know, like you said, it's not super sexy in the, at, at first glance, but actually like it's really part of the whole equation that's absolutely necessary and can protect everybody. And like really as a entrepreneur or a small business or a larger business, like, it's so much part of it. And just because it is like, maybe not super sexy on, again, first glance, but uh, a lot of it's like how you do that your thing. And already like in talking with you in a short amount of time, I see that like, uh, I'm sure you'd be nice to work with, you know, like you're, you're a nice person and, and you seem to very much care about all the things you're doing. So um you know, and in, in my world as like a custom artist, I really want to make sure that I'm taking care of people. And I feel like, uh, you know, that's a place where like you could probably really shine. Well, thank you. I'm glad I present well. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is, you know, being informative and being transparent. So, you know, if you don't know the answer to a question or if you need a little bit more information, like being totally open with your clients and being like, Hey, let me find out, or let me contact an underwriter, or let me pull that part of a policy and, you know, try to decipher what hieroglyphics this is in normal people language. Right. <laughs> so that part of it, I think is, you know, something that's very, you know, I, I don't want to say it's my secret sauce, but it's always been something I've in, in anything I'm doing. I'm very transparent with who I am. And, you know, I try to have fun with it. I don't take myself too seriously. Like I know what I know and I know what I'm good at. And if I don't know how to do something or, you know, go that best route, I'll find a way to bring someone in that is better than me in that specific space and, you know, vice versa. So it's a, it's a constant learning journey, I would say, but a fun one at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you started the insurance business, you guys had a lot of success. And then when that happened, then, uh, and then this other part of your model was born, like, how did that, how did that come up? And then how, is, how did it grow? And then how did it take place? So I started uh, in insurance when I was 20. Well, my parents own a licensing school for insurance. So I was kind of brought up in it 
from the get-go, like all through high school, college, et cetera. When I graduated college, I started an insurance agency with my dad. And so that was something that before I started working with my husband, I was doing that. It's kind of how I met my husband was being an agency owner myself. Um, so when I was about 23 years old, I wanted to do, you know, something good for the world and started researching charities and was finding like most organizations aren't as transparent as you would like. Right. So they don't really tell you what they use the money for hundred percent. So if you donate hundred dollars, you know, 80 of it might not go to what you think it's going to. And so as a young woman, I didn't have a lot of money, but I knew the money I did have, I wanted to make sure it went towards what I thought it was. And I wasn't finding it. So as you know, most entrepreneurs, you'll see if they don't find what they want, they make it themselves. <laughs> so I started gifting families when I was 23. Um, I picked two or three the first year. And then that kind of just kept snowballing on and on and on until 2015, when it was kind of apparent that like, hey, we could probably do a little bit more with what we're getting if we you know, were a legit nonprofit. So I thought, okay, I wasn't really looking for another job, so to speak, because I had, you know, the insurance, I had two little young kids at the time. And, you know, but I thought if I could do more and help more, then maybe it would make sense. So the Sparkle Foundation was actually born in 2015, founded, you got my paperwork and everything in 2016. But I was doing all I was doing, like, even before, like when I started, you know, in my 20s, um, this will actually be my 20th year this year of gifting single moms and doing what I do um, on a big scale. So it's a pretty landmark year for me, but who I am and what I do, it's this part of me has always been there and been a part of, I think a lot of who I am as a businesswoman too, just because I enjoy helping people and I enjoy, you know, being involved in my community and bringing others along to join. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's all awesome. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> can benefit from it. Totally. Um, Probably on on all aspects, you know, the people that are receiving, and then also the people that are that are involved and and engaged with it. Um, why don't you dive into the Sparkle Foundation and tell us all about it? Yeah. So what we do is we serve single moms and their children, and we're here in California with uh, the Bay Area being our hub. We have all the way from Sonoma to San Jose, and then we have a chapter in Sacramento. We do everything in between, and then we also have LA. San Diego, we may be coming for you next. So Taylor, you watch out. There you may go. be starting your own sparkle chapter and you might not even know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is we do three things. We do our holiday gift drive, which is our mainstay, which is what I started doing 20 years ago, which is where we seek out families um, that are single parents that could use some assistance for the holidays. And these are not women that are, you know, desolate, like living in their car homeless. Like we're not here to serve that need. We're really here to plug a hole for the woman who can, put food on the table, pay rent, but guess what? There's no extra money. So that's where we have found to be most impactful. Um, and year to year, I think we have brought in, I have not finished. I think my taxes are coming in this week. We've brought in, I believe about $1.8 million over the last seven years and given all of it back out to the community, which is a pretty amazing accomplishment, seeing how we're hundred percent in and hundred percent out. So that's something we're super proud of. Um, we also do enrichment scholarships. So that's after school programs, summer camps, you know, baseball, softball, dance, all the above. You figure you got a single mom who, again, can put dinner on the table, but now, you know, their kiddo wants to play softball and guess what? It's $700. And like, where are you going to pay for that? We do. We pay for it. Uh, we also do backpacks in the fall, working with local law enforcement, first responders and school districts. And this year we're committing to 5,000 bags. Last year we did 3,800. So it's growing. And then finally, our Sparkle Biz, which is our 
latest program uh, launched in 2021 uh, is microloans for single moms that want to start or grow their businesses. So they're five to $15,000 loans, interest-free, uh, due back 18 to 36 months upon, you know, when we give it. And then with that comes mentorship where, you know, they need some assistance in business. We're able to provide those mentors. Um, and again, going back to like my insurance world is great because I've got all these great business clients that are so excited to help and provide services to our, you know, Sparkle Biz recipients. So that's it in a nutshell. Wow. That's awesome. That's my elevator pitch. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I, the uh, the Sparkle Biz element is really cool because, you know, like as the business owner that you are, as the entrepreneur that you are, you have gone and you've like made all this headway. Um, I imagine kind of like you're like, uh, you know, one of those ships in the Arctic breaking through the ice. And then as you, you're making this way, then you're then helping people follow you. And um, I think that's really a really a cool thing because I think that happens to a lot of people um, in their in their business career is they're going to go along and they're going to make all these connections and they're going to learn so much about the business and um, if they can turn around and give that back to the people who are basically them in the past you know uh, I feel like that's that's really awesome and uh, if more people did that it'd be great. Well, it's interesting. So the idea of Sparkle Biz, I was actually getting like one of those little foot massages one day and I sat straight up in the middle of it. And I was like, I've got it. I've like, <laughs> I figured out what's next because it was really trying to figure out like we had really, you know, done well with our programs that we were offering. But I was like, there has got to be something else that I could take my Samantha business and Samantha Sparkle and can combine these two efforts. And so I came up, I was like, well, what if we did business loans? Like, this sounds incredible. So I started having the conversations in like 2018 and I pitched a whole bunch, like I had a group of probably 150 people on the call and I was like, here's what I want to do. And half of them told me I was out of my mind and it was never going to work. And then another part of them was like, well, you need to look into the lending laws and, you know, there's all these different things and, you know, maybe you should just do grants. And, you know, when I got down to the core group of people that really were, you know, bought in and were like, hey, let's figure this out we really decided that a grant, there was no skin in the game. When you just handed somebody money, there was no reason for them to succeed other than like, thanks. And you know, I'm going to do what I can. But if there was some accountability behind it, like they had to pay it back, but not in a way like a lot of these other micro loans are because the interest will be 20 or 30%. And a lot of these women, you know, maybe they are going through a divorce or don't have any credit or don't have, you know, all the traditional things that you need to get money you know, those were the women we were looking for because we were looking for those that had what it took to get to the next level, but just needed the nudge. Um, and a $15,000 loan isn't super, it's not like 150, you know, it's not a super overwhelming amount of money that I knew that like, if it didn't work and if it, it wasn't going to be like, we were out hundreds of thousands of dollars as an organization, I was like, okay, well, we could start small and see if this works. And so um, we built it out and we got it all set up and then COVID happened. And it just threw like the worst wrench because I thought, okay, it's dead on the vine. Like I, there was no way to have an event. There was no way to fundraise. And I thought to myself, like, no, I'm going to do this. Like, I believe in this. I've worked so hard. So it was my 40th birthday uh, in 2020. And so I had a Facebook fundraiser, $40 for my 40th birthday. And I did a video and I said exactly this, like, I want to fund these women's dreams. I want to do this, but I need capital to do it. 
and I raised 15,000 bucks and that's how the program got started. Yeah. <laughs> 40 and, bucks. Uh, yeah. Way to go. And, uh, and you were telling me that it was a success, right? Total success. Next month, June 1st will be her final installment. Uh, she's paid back her loan. We did a $10,000 loan to begin. Um, the woman that we selected was in the service industry and was like super successful, like had a very successful business, but like her business acumen and all the things that go along with business was like a mess, like no systems, no, you know, bookings, no like accountability with her staff, all the things. And so we were able to pull in accounting and insurance and marketing and website and all these different tools for her and help her and met with her tons of times. And by, you know, pretty much like six or seven months into it, she was able to open her second location and hire uh, seven more people and still has now two locations and lots of employees. And um, it's just a great success story. So we know it works and we, it works because we're as committed to her as she is as committed to her business. Totally. And uh, the accountability element is so important, you know, like people know that there's that you can go to the gym and people can even like get motivated to go to the gym but if there isn't an accountability element i'm pretty certain that like the drop off rate is like way 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 higher but totally. having that accountability and then um you know the the guidance and the leadership and the mentorship is massive it's huge and it's and it's free and that's the part i think that's great because the business owners the entrepreneurs want to help a sister like they want to help lift somebody up because maybe when they started they had that person or maybe they didn't and they want to be able to provide that because there's so many things that so many of us learn the hard way and we don't have to they do say and I, i'm a firm believer like you've got to take your lickens and get your tiger stripes right because that's what makes us successful but there are those certain things that like a lot of us have to learn so stupidly that we don't need to like pick this software instead of having to spend and waste money using all this other stuff that, you know, doesn't work as an example. Um, so I think the accountability and just the the partnership and the whole, you know, fusion of, of bringing women together, it, it, it's been the coolest thing to watch. Yeah. I'll bet. Yeah. And, and like the, the taking your lickens, all that, like, there's just so many decisions to make along the way as a small business owner. And um, especially, you know, like as an artist, for example, like I went to school for art. I didn't go to school for business. So I'm, I've been learning all of this stuff, you know, from scratch and I messed up a ton along the way. And I'm right now putting a course together for, uh, for creatives of all backgrounds of like some, like, you know, the five pillars of how to, how to go after this, this life as a creative. And, um, you know, if I can help people who are basically like me in the past, you know, if I can help them not get run over by these certain things and like not get caught up in these spider webs. And like, there's so many things out there and they're just set up to like prey on people that don't know. And, and scary it, it's super it scary and there's no like how-to manual in a lot of ways and you know I grew I went to school for business and finance and with a focus in insurance and that's all I had ever known and then try starting a nonprofit. like I knew I wanted to do good but I didn't know all the things that went along with it like I gotta fundraise I gotta get people to help me I gotta have volunteers you gotta have systems you gotta have so many different things that 
I learned so hard um, and bought so many different softwares and marketing and all the things. And, you know, sometimes throwing money at things isn't the answer. It's you got to like really hunker down and figure out what works and what doesn't work and what connects with your audience. Um, and I think it's the same in any, any creative thing that you're doing, whether it's, you know, selling insurance, making art, you know, it's like, it's, there's a lot of moving parts and it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, the, the way to, <clears throat> the way to do that, the way to help people is to, is to work together. I, I love what you're, you're doing. I mean, obviously you have a lot of people involved with a lot of expertise and you're all putting it together. And then this is, and it's really cool because you're helping, you know, that one small business That's step one. But then that one small business, she's learning a ton of things. She's learned so much through the process. And now she's ironed out all the wrinkles in her business. And then she's going to be, of course, she's going to want to pay that forward too. Like Now she's getting more successful. She's going to be able to help all those employees that work with her. They're all learning from the systems that have been put in place. And it's like this awesome ripple effect. It's totally awesome. And I, um, I feel honored to be able to like be a part of it, even a small part of it, you know, just having the crazy idea and, and like not being told, not listening to the people that were like, oh, girl, it'll never work. Like, what are you doing? Stop it. Like, just focus on what you're focusing on. Why are you adding more to your plate? And, and I was, I don't know. I just felt so like jolted in this direction. Like I knew it would work and be successful. And um, here we are. So yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing all around. Yeah. Yeah. And right there, it's not, not everybody's uh, very like super connected to their own like voice inside of them. Have you always been that way? Uh, there's always been a lot. <laughs> my mother will tell me, both my parents will be like, you were like this when you were four, yeah. <laughs> which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing. You know, it's really funny is I've never really thought of myself as like a visionary person. Like I'm very good with details. I'm a maker of things. Like I can make things happen. I can connect people. That's my, you know, when you do your little like Colby and your little business, you know, personality things. Like I'm an influencer by nature, not the kind on Instagram, but the kind that like you can buy in to what I'm talking about because I can get to you in that connective way. Um, and so when it comes to these different programs and these different things I'm doing, like I am... I am visionary in the sense to where I'm making them happen, but I've never really thought of myself in that way. So, you know, with, when you ask if there's the fire in me, has it always been there? It has been there, but not in the way that it is now. And I don't know if it's just because I'm more confident in what I'm doing, or I just don't care anymore and I'm just going to do it. And if it doesn't work, cool, we'll try something different. Um, I, I don't know, but I, I do think that the purpose of having, you know, a bigger, something bigger than me has always been in me. Yeah. Has the, has the process of you becoming that bigger version of you, has there been, has that been uh, like a challenging process at all? Has there been like confronting situations? Like in my world right now, for example, I, I feel like I'm like transitioning out of a certain level of who I've been and I'm transitioning into a higher one. And the the process is like kind of it's challenging it's kind of weird because mm -hmm. i'm like having to let go of elements that i thought was me but wasn't me and like uh and then i'm like adopting a new way of thinking and 
Like, is there anything like that that you've gone through? Oh yeah. And I think it totally, something happened in my late thirties, early four, I'm 42 now. So I don't want to say it was like, right when I turned 40, I was like, I'm a different person, but if there's something that happens as you get a little bit older with the things that are important and the things that matter versus the things that you give no energy to, um, when it comes to business or, or anything that I do, I move very fast and I move fast in my decisions. I move fast in, you know, if we have a conversation by the end of the day, I'll have what we talked about, you know, outlined or figured out or what direction, um, and sometimes it, I can move too fast and not think through all the different moving parts, you know, where I bite off a little bit more than I can chew. And then I'm like, holy moly, like I've got all this to do. And it's just little old me. And, you know, I've learned that way, the hard way. Um, and that, that has been a hard lesson to learn that I can't do it all. Um, nor do I want to do it all because it's not, it's not fun being all by yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's challenges. Yeah. Like all the time, you know, I'm my own biggest challenge, I think, because I do move quickly. And sometimes I wish I moved a little slower. I'm getting better, but I'm still, uh, I, I, I got lots to do. Right. So I got to move fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. gotta get, they call me hurricane Samantha. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Do you, I find that um, as I go through all these layers and, you know, learning about business and like myself as an artist and business person, like I feel like there's so much um, like interpersonal stuff that is like worked through, through the business, through like relationships that I'm having, through like my dealings in, in, in business. Do you, do you see those same reflections of you and your life and your business? Oh, hundred percent. Somebody had asked me, I was being interviewed for something and like, do you, you know, do you suffer from imposter syndrome? And I was like, no, cause I am unapologetically me in everything that I do. Right. Like, so if you piss me off or, you know, I'm not liking what you're saying, or you wrong me, like off with your head, we're done. I'm moving on. And I wish, I wish sometimes I wasn't so quick like that, but I'm like that in my personal life too. Like if I don't feel the, the vibe, or if I don't feel like something's serving in a positive direction, like I will just turn around and walk the other way and not even look back, which yeah. sometimes, you know, can be hard and it can be a little brash, but it's, you know, it is who I am. And I can't, I don't know if it's that Italian in me or what, but like I just, I get, I get very, um, like, I think it goes back to just making quick decisions. And if like my spidey sense feels off, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're connected intuitively to that and to that sense. Oh yeah. It's, it's creepy how, um, one of the, like, I, I used to be in charge of hiring for a long time and spent a lot of time with understanding people, how they tick and putting them in the right roles. And I've, I've done a lot of research and taken a lot of classes. One of my great strengths is I have like a really good spidey sense with people. Um, I'm so much so like 96% of the population doesn't have the same like intuitiveness that I do when it comes to walking in a room and seeing like, that person over there, that person, you know, is this, like, I can remember things I can just, that's just my, my talent, if you will. Um, so for me, it's like, I know within three seconds when I meet somebody, if it's a conversation or if I'm talking to a client, like if they, if we're a vibe, it, it, if it's a good fit in that way, like I can just pick it up really quickly. And same thing with like sparkle stuff too. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what I, it's who I am. Yeah. 
and it's working. So far, so good. I mean, maybe <laughs> somebody gets cut off the list that shouldn't because they didn't present well the first time, but I don't know. <laughs> Nine out of 10 times, I'm always right. I'll be like, see, I told you, you should have went with what I said. My gut was right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody's always learning. So if, uh, if they didn't succeed that first time, back to the drawing board. Um, right. Or, or maybe it's getting burned so many times that you get some thick skin. And now I'm like, well, I've seen this before, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause there's that too. And it's, it's, it's hard when it happens and it doesn't feel very good when you get taken advantage of, or when you learn something about someone you didn't think, you know, was, was as presented. I mean, those are always hard lessons, I think in business and in personal life. So yeah. those, the, they're not mistakes though. If you learn from them, they say, right. 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 Learning is expensive and time, energy, or very money. expensive. <laughs> Sometimes all three. <laughs> um, I'm curious about, okay, so you have like a million things going on. I'm curious about your work-life balance. How do you do that? You've got two kids, a husband, business, nonprofits. I hate the word balance because it's a word that doesn't exist. Yeah, true. <laughs> I think different times of your life get different energy, right? And so for me, I'm at a stage where my girls are 10 and 12 and they're very important to me. And so, you know, instead of having this like, oh, well, if I do this, then I don't get to do this with them. I'm now of the mindset, like I just create this us space. So I bring them to events. I bring them to stuff backpacks. I bring them to deliver gifts. They are just as much of a part of my world as I am of theirs. And I think that helps a lot. And my, I mean, my husband too, we're all very much in that way um, where, you know, I, I don't feel you have to say, I'm going to do this. And then this has to suffer. And I think that women get this like thing where it's like, oh, well, if you're super badass at work, then you're sucking as a mom. And if you're, you're, you're all mom, then, oh, your career must be in the toilet. Like, there's just like, I think it's just, you have different times are going to get different levels of you. And you just have to figure out today, what is that going to look like? Is it going to be more mom stuff, less work stuff, or, you know, more sparkle stuff, less mom stuff. Every day is going to be different. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I'm sure they, I, I'm sure they're benefiting a ton from it just in the same way that you did by your parents, including you. They're super like, they, they know though, certain the, the boxes start coming in and you just see them just like, Oh God, here we go. Like, because we'll have, you know, 5,000 backpacks show up in the driveway that'll, everything gets done here um, at the house or Christmas, we'll have all the stuff comes in. I mean, now it's to a place where it's so many families that I actually have to get storage in another facility because we can't do it here anymore. Um, but I still am like Sparkle headquarters is my home. So everything comes in and the girls are, you know, recently we just made um, gratitude boxes for we did first responders, nurses, and uh, teachers. Wow. And so we have like a bunch of community partners that have like extra product that, you know, maybe we had left over from the holiday gift drive, or they just over-ordered and have, you know, 50 million boxes of skin cream. And so we create boxes just to say, thanks. Thanks for showing up and going to work. And like, just thanks for being you. So we did, we started it in COVID and we've, I think done almost, close to 2000 boxes in the last two and a half years or so, which is kind of cool. But my girls, they, we stuff, we do them all together. The three of us, <laughs> nice. they hate it, but they do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, cool. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and what that process has been all about? So that was a COVID baby. 
um, when we all were stuck at home, like figuring out who we were and what we weren't, yeah. my girlfriend and I were like, we have these crazy, amazing women. Like, why don't, why don't, we, why don't we tell their stories? So we started and it's, first of all, just started off as the two of us talking to our girlfriends that are just amazing women doing more than getting up and breathing every day. And that was kind of the idea. And it was like, we're going to record for 30 minutes. That's like the perfect drive to the store kind of conversation. We're going to take women that are doing all kinds of different things. And we're not going to edit because we didn't know how in the beginning. And now, you know, 150 episodes later, we're kind of like, well, life isn't edited. So why should these conversations be edited? Right. Let's just have a conversation. Um, and we have interviewed like some of the most insanely cool women from makers, creators, artists, uh, activists, you know, um, just women that are really moving the needles in all different industries. And it's like every week is just like the most incredible, like today, we're, the one that launches today is this woman named Christine Barker, who is this like super over the top, badass civil lit litigator in the commercial contractor space. Like, whoa, like this chick is like, whoa. And she created this company called All Rise. And it's a mentorship program for young women coming into the legal field because there's no help for women when they come in and get their, they pass the bar. And then it's like, you're, you're just flung into like the pit of piranhas. Yeah. And so she's got a course that she has for these young ladies to come in and be mentored, you know, to, to be able to stand on their own two feet. And it's the coolest thing ever. I mean, just women like that. I mean, and she's still a civil lit litigator in her like big girl job, you know? So it's, it's cool. And we've, like I said, recorded uh, 150 episodes. We have um, every Monday at 10 AM, a new episode launches. It's on Apple podcast and a couple other places as well. And we'll keep doing it until it's not fun anymore, but it's still fun. We're already booked out through August, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. I'm like, who are we? We are not those girls, but I mean, it is super like unscripted and raw and we swear and we cry and we laugh and it's just, it's something else. That sounds awesome. And where are you getting all your interviews from? Is it? So of... at first it was kind of hard. So we didn't know, like, we had our friends and then once we kind of exhausted those, we were kind of like, okay, well, what now? So I just started like reaching out to women on like Instagram, or if I like their product or what they were doing, I'd start emailing them and people would respond back. And, you know, sparkle is a great edge because it does show a great part of who we are. And my girlfriend, Stacy is also been right by my side. The, I mean, we, she's been doing this with me for 20 years. So we've got that story to share as well. We've been friends for 20 years, you know, too. So that helps. Um, yeah. And it's just word of mouth. And we've connected with a lot of great women's groups that have women that, you know, want to be on podcasts. And so we're excited to do it. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it is, it used to be a lot harder to book guests. Now it's kind of like, we're, you know, we're, we're good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's got the momentum at this point. Yeah. Now you just got to hang on and keep going. <laughs> now we're just like, I hope that one listeners out there is listening. <laughs> I'll bet they are. <laughs> I'm wondering. So like for me, the, process of having a podcast you know I've, I've got no training in this at all and I just kind of similar thing I'm like I, I'm constantly lucky to get to talk to really amazing people and there's all this beauty and know-how and understanding and philosophy that that I get to hear and I feel like it would be great to record these so I started doing it and um, the process has been uh, 
it really kind of confronting in certain ways in a really cool, like personal way. Like I'm interviewing other people and yours is an interview as well. Right. And so, but still like I have come through the podcast as well uh, through time. And um, I feel like that's been, you know, it's been confronting for like who I am and where I'm going and what, like it's been a, it's been a really interesting process. Have you noticed anything like that on your end? hundred percent. I noticed that we're all a lot more similar than we think we are. And that women, honestly, like I've always known women to be incredible, but like hearing these stories of resiliency or, you know, one of uh, the gals we interviewed is a pretty well-known female founder skincare brand. She's like a brain tumor. And like most people would have just been like floored, you know, their life was over. They were going to die. And she was like, no, like I'm going to create a clean brand of beauty. And, you know, miraculously, like she's still with us and it's 17 years later and she's still got the brain tumor, but she's still alive and, you know, trying to do good for the world. And, you know, it's just these crazy stories of like resiliency. And I think it it brings out, you know, a part of all of us when we hear these stories, because you can connect with them, you know, whether it was a hardship moment or ripping the bandaid moment or the, oh my God, what am I doing with my life moment? Cause those are there too. <laughs> I think it's the like the silver lining out of the pandemic, I really feel is that we can be able to have these conversations at at home and be in San Diego and be in San Francisco and and be able to connect with people all over the place and put their stories online. Yeah, yeah, there were definitely some silver linings and like the connectedness. And then also, I feel like, uh, you know, the pandemic hit and then everybody kind of like lost their shit for a little bit and and like then we all got really real about like, yeah, I'm losing my shit. So then there was this like veil of like, Hey, I have everything together so perfectly that that veil came down. Um, Yeah. No. And now it's like, everybody's able to be like that much more real. And I think the people that were, it was like, you either accelerated or you really fell down. And there was like this huge like gap between the two. And I think for, I mean, having two little kids at home, trying to run a business, trying to like spark, like do sparkle and do all these things. Like for me, it was like, I know for myself when I'm down or when I don't feel good about things, doing good for other people is what like gets me out of it. So for me, like sitting at home and feeling sorry for myself was not an option. That's where the gratitude boxes came in. And I was like, okay, I'm going to find a way to help my community and help. And with the podcast, it was another way was to be able to help share, you know, stories of people that were doing cool stuff that would never have a platform to talk about it otherwise, because they weren't rich and famous or didn't have some like huge, crazy trauma that like everybody was gravitating towards, like just an average woman who's waking up and helping her community on a daily basis or raising money for, you know, gun violence and things like that, that people aren't talking about, but it should be talked about because it's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Good for you. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think we're at the point of the uh, question section. These four questions that I ask everybody. Uh, Are you ready for those? Let's go. Okay. Now, question one is, who in the world throughout time, all of time, would you want to do a collaboration with? Who in the world would I want to collab with? I want to collab with Oprah. I just love Oprah. 
I think that our our visions of life are so similar. I think she's just everything. What what would you do with her? Uh, I think I would probably because she has her Oprah's favorite things. I have my S list, which I do a week a monthly blog on female brands that I love. Um, so I would like to kind of maybe collab there. And also, uh, I love her interviewing style. I love like how she can kind of pull out those tough topics and and make them presentable. So maybe having her uh, help me out with that a little bit, <laughs> you know, getting the sit down with with Adele in the backyard. I mean, come on, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yep, yep, totally. Um, cool, Oprah, love it. Um, all right, number two is. Where would you like to see things be in five years from now? Personally or in the world? You take that question wherever you want. Uh, Okay. So five years from now, I would like to see sparkle chapters in every major metropolitan city. Hmm? And in five years from now, it, the world as a whole, I would like the world to just be a nicer place. I would like people to just be fucking nicer right because they're so awful to each other i mean it's it's this world that we're living in and raising children in. it's it's frightening um and scary and i hate it and i wish it would be i wish we would all be better yeah yeah totally yeah nicer kinder just nicer like it's whatever happened just being nice yeah no one's nice anymore no no and uh yeah and with all the the terrible things that happens like it could just be, be nice be you so could just better. be nice yeah you know 100 i agree um all right so then uh question three is now this is an advice piece now uh so this podcast is for creatives of all kinds and backgrounds creatives with a capital c for aspiring creatives what would you say is the most important thing to focus on Pick a, pick a lane and get on it and go for it. And if the lane isn't the right lane, it's okay to switch lanes, but pick a lane and focus on it instead of trying to be everything to everybody all at once. Cause you can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. And I like that because if you, if you just like focus on all of them and you be kind of like uh, the jack of all trades, then you're definitely not diving in and you're not going to be able to learn the the deep lessons of the one lane. Well, and you can't be really good at a bunch of things. Right. So like when I was learning how to sell insurance or learning insurance, there's so many different types of insurance, you know, and somebody would call you and want to have you insure their airplane. And you're like, yeah, sure. I could do that. Well, I have no idea how to do that. Why was I pretending like I did? Um, so really kind of honing in on, on the focus that, you know, I liked or that excited me and that I wanted to accelerate. And I think in any, any industry, I think that is where you'll find your most success. Yeah. And it's cool. If if you can become like the master of one area, then a lot of those lessons can transfer. But if you don't do it, if you don't get to that level in one spot, then you're going to just be sort of amateur level at lots of things and you're never going to get you're and not it's very tra- people can see right through it yeah yep totally it will eat you alive so s- just stay the course and learn and like never be another good piece of advice is like you're never too old to learn right so continue to educate yourself in any field that you're in i think mm-hmm. you know 
learning a little bit every single day is, is fantastic. Yeah, that's really good. And I wish like if I could go back and give myself some advice, like 15 years ago, that would have been like, try to learn, like be open to learning about more things. Like I, I really was focused only on the art, but not about the business of art. And I wish that I would have had a more open mind about learning about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have helped out in certain ways, in many ways. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, cool. Now, the fourth question this is the big one. What is your definition of art? Oh my gosh, something that makes me happy. Right? I think that's what art is to me. Something that brings a smile to my face that I like, I look at and I'm like, yeah, that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what art is to me. Something that gets you, gets you uh, excited in, in one way or another. Sometimes art can be confusing. It can be complicated. It can be, but like for me, the things that I look at and I'm like, yeah, and I smile <laughs> and I get excited about those, that that's art to me. And what, what kind of art does that for you? It, you know, it's funny. So I can be either in a super big, bright color, or I love like black and white, like old school photography. Like I love like a Hollywood glamour moment that those things to me, like, I love like that is art that makes me very happy. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I, I think anytime I see a piece of art, cause I am not an artist, right. I am like the business brain. Like I couldn't draw a stick figure. Um, and I feel that like when I see someone that's created something that they are displaying or selling, like it, it makes me happy to, to see that somebody made that and, and feels confident enough to put it on the wall or put it on, you know, a stand to sell it. I mean, that that's cool. Yeah. And I have a lot of admiration for it. Yeah. Almost like you're like seeing uh, like a reflection of what you do in like what they're doing. And, but it's like a different form of it. Yeah. And if, even if it's not like something I would want in my house or something that like, you know, is, is my aesthetic, I still have the same appreciation for the piece because I know that somebody made it and somebody was proud of it. And that, that to me is art. Like it's it's that it makes me excited. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of art that I really love that the artist is doing. And I don't necessarily, I wouldn't want it on my wall. Right. Uh, but I'm like, I'm, yeah, I love that they are doing that. I love that they are being that version of themselves, that they're expressing these things and that people are connecting to it in their own ways. Yeah. And for, for someone who's a non-artist, like it's the coolest. Cause, <laughs> cause I just like, I missed that, that gene. It didn't transfer over, <laughs> but you could put me in front of a crowd of 500 people on stage and I could talk all day long, but ask me to paint a picture. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you consider that art? Public speaking? Yeah. I think there is an art to it. I think there's somewhat of a, um, a pro- I don't want to say a process to it. I think there is a system to it, you know, uh, as anything, I think if you know what you, you're good at and you can, you know, accelerate in that, um, I, I mean, I don't know that I would call it an art. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Do you think it is? I would say, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's an art. Yeah, there's uh, there's intention, there's creativity, there's there is like a formula or strategies, structures, but uh, I would say that that exists in in 
lots of creative like traditional you know arts like visual art or music or anything like that Mm -hmm. um you know and then there's I think there's a lot of things where there's like a spectrum of when something is a craft and then when it gets to the form uh, to an art yeah and and there's certain people that take things to a certain level that like it is art there's certain public speakers that I've seen where I'm like like that's fucking art a hundred percent you know yeah there's it's moving it's like captivating they like pick you up and drop you down and like you know it's like it just like shakes your world in the same way that like a powerful painting can do that or a type of music or whatever like a beautiful song no I totally like I've never thought about it like that but now that you're enlightening me I yes I now would say that public speaking can be an art. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about enlightening. This is just my perspective. No, just- it's good. It was like, it was actually a perfect explanation to like tie it all in. But yeah, I do think, I think there are different, um, different ways to look at different things and perceive them as art. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, yeah, it's just, it, I think a lot of it comes down to like what, what you put into it you know, and what what your uh what your aim is and and what your approach is i agree um well awesome this was uh okay so this is the part of the podcast where i thank my guest so samantha i want to say thank you for taking your time and uh you know giving your perspective your wisdom telling us all about all the awesome things that you're doing and i gotta say it's so cool what you're doing the sparkle foundation the sparkle biz um I love it. And I'm, it's going to be really neat for you, for everybody to be able to zoom out and look at it, you know, in five years, in 10 years in 20 years and 30, you know, like see where this goes and like how many lives this affects positively. Um, I think that that's something that you should be really proud of and it's exciting to see where it's going to go. So thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm excited for the next 10 years of sparkle. I've got 20 behind me. So we'll see. We'll see what the next 10 look like. I might retire. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can learn about it, where they can connect? Yeah. All the things it's pretty easy. Samantha Trudelius.com, uh, just first last name.com. And we're on all the all the social, all the things, uh, the Sparkle Foundation. You can find us. Instagram's probably the best one because that's the one I update with the most current information. Um, but if you go to my website, you can get to the sparkle stuff, the podcast, all those things are there and even the S list. So if you want to learn about some fun, sheep brands, you can learn about them there too. Cool. The S list. I like that. <laughs> all right, sweet. Well then, uh, we're going to take a little break, grab some water, uh, before we go, can you give the listeners one last bit of wisdom off the cuff wisdom? Can don't take yourself thing. don't take yourself too seriously life, <laughs> is meant, life is meant to be fun right smile smile lots that'll get you through a lot of things that's great advice <laughs> i could use that occasionally that's awesome right i think so many times people take themselves so seriously and it's like dude come on like settle down like just bring it down a minute yeah and be real i think you're so much more relatable when you don't take yourself and that's not like not having any confidence because that's not what I'm talking about it's just more like when people are just so wrapped up in their own nonsense you're just like ugh, you know you're not you're not into it I'm not I I will turn away from that 
Right. Right. Part of it, part of it, part of doing the thing is how you do the thing. And, right. And that, that goes into it. Exactly. Everybody's watching. That's you do part. the thing. <laughs> yeah, they are. All right. Sweet. We'll be right back. Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West Coast, and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee-making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at steadystateroasting.com. And we're back. All right. Samantha, how you doing? I'm still here. I'm so good. <laughs> how are you feeling now? Feeling great. Gosh, yeah. it was an hour of power. I'm just super excited. We've had some good chats. Yeah, already. Um, I'm curious, do you ever get nervous? You're a public speaker. You do a podcast. Were you I only get nervous if I don't know what I'm supposed to, if I like, if I don't know what I'm talking about or if it's not a a subject I'm comfortable with, I might get nervous, mm -hmm. but usually at the, like at this stage in the game, no, not really. There's no time for it. I have no time for that. <laughs> when I figure, you know what, if it all else fails, I'll just, you know, my humor, that's the way I am. I can always make the room laugh. So if it gets, if it gets weird, I can throw in some humor and then it kind <laughs> of breaks the ice a little bit. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Humor is, that's the way to go. Yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I guess I'm curious, like, is there anything that you want to talk about uh, in the terms of like creativity in the world, in your life, in your, in your experience of things? Um, here's something interesting that we could chat about. So every single year we all wake up like Jan one and we're like, okay, we have all these things we're going to accomplish. And we have our, you know, our resolutions, our vision boards, all those different things. This year was the first year I woke up and I was like, I don't have anything like big, crazy goals. I wanted, I had no BHAG, like big, hairy, audacious goal. I didn't have that this year. And for so many years, like I wanted to write the book. I did the book. I wanted to start Sparkle Biz. I did that, like all these things. So I had nothing. And I was really starting to feel like, well, maybe I'm, I'm dying inside. Like my creativity is just, you know, it's, it's done. And I had coffee with a girlfriend and she was like, well, Samantha, you are having a fallow year. And I was like, what is that? And she says, well, listen, every year farmers take plots of their land and they don't plant on it. They follow it, right? It rests. And that plot, you know, gets nutrients rejuvenated. It, you know, does whatever the dirt does. And the next year when they plant on it, the plants that they grow, you grow off those fallowed plots are bigger and stronger than they would have ever been on the other plots because they had the time to rest. So she's like, in life, it's okay to follow parts of your life at different times. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm not, I'm not falling apart. <laughs> you know, I just knew that like, I wanted to, uh, my body was just kind of like, here's, this is what we're doing. And so by doing that at the beginning of the year and, you know, feeling like I wasn't having my creativity and I was on stall, it really allowed me to open up to be able to do things like this, you know, and put myself out there to talk about my story, or I've been doing a lot more, um, you know, work with, the foundation and different things that wouldn't have been possible had I not like taken a little time out in certain other parts of my life. So I guess the creativity conversation you're having is like, we don't always have to be super creative all the time. And sometimes it's okay to take a little, 
like not even a timeout or just check out. It's just certain parts of you can take a pause. And by doing so, I think it, it grows a different type of, you know, creativity comes out of it. If, if that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That makes sense. This is good stuff right here. I like that a lot. Because I mean, if you look at the word creativity, it's like create is in it. And um, you can't just always create because then the the cycle won't be rejuvenated like the soil you're talking about. Um, Yeah, it's I think it's really, really good to take that time. And it's like you can't breathe out all the time. You have to take your in breath. When I go hard. So last year we went and did uh, backpacks and we had our big night to sparkle. Then we had our holiday gift drive. Plus I'm like selling insurance and managing my own. Life. I mean, I was hard from like July till January. And I was just like, homegirl's dead. Like I got no more gas in this tank and I need to just, I was, I don't know if I was just kind of fed up with different, I wasn't burnt out. I was just, I just wasn't feeling like I had anything else to give at the moment. And so in turn, I felt like it was a negative thing, but she showed me that, no, you got to chill out and like, let your body and your, your mind get where it needs to be, to be able to be more positive in other areas. So follow, follow your plots of land folks. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. And by following, you're just, I mean, I I think, uh, there's sort of this common misconception that uh, you just got to go, go, go all the time and, you know, like work hard and crush and just do everything always and be everything to everybody. And uh, that's for sure how you burn out. And, you know, it goes back to like a health and wellness, like mental and physical. And you, and if you want to be your best and give your best to the, to the world and the people, then like you have to be like, you're number one. Like you have to, you have to. And I think for women, and I've interviewed so many of them and even just the women in my life, like so many of them get to a place where they're totally burnt out or they're dead or they got nothing else to give in the most negative ways before they make a life change or prioritize themselves in that way or parts of themselves. Um, And I'm sure, I mean, I can't speak to men because I'm not a man, but I'm sure that men might go through that a little bit too. Um, But it is, it's, it's hard to, to make that like understand it's hard to like realize like what you're doing and, and you don't have to be everything to everybody all the time, because at the end of the day, like if you're not doing the things that bring you joy, like what are you doing? And I think that was my takeaway from COVID. I was like, I'm no longer doing the shit that doesn't do anything for me. Like I'm tired of saying yes all the time because it's nobody cares. Yeah. Right. I thought people care. Nobody cares. Yep. Yeah. And the, the outside world and people and everything, consciously or unconsciously are are always going to be asking and if if you're just saying yes all the time then then they're going to continue asking the world's going to continue asking and uh the only gatekeeper is you it's totally you and and i think that like last weekend or two weeks 10 days ago i was asked by the my daughter's director of school calls me up she goes listen tridelius I got a four alarm fire. I need you. And I go, what? And she goes, well, the middle school dance is not going to happen unless you do it. And I go like, I already did my PTA. I was, the, I did the pres. I did the whole thing. Like I I'm taking a gap here, y'all I'm out. Like I'm not doing this. And she's like, listen, I got the venue. I got the DJ. 
and I got the photo booth. And if you could just do the rest and I go, when is it? She goes 10 days. And I thought like every part of me wanted to say no period (laughs) end of story. And I was like, well, the three hard parts are kind of done. Like I can pull it together. And I had a, another mom who's equally as psycho with her schedule as I am. We had three meet with three text messages between the two of us in one site visit. And we just, we pulled off this middle school dance on Saturday and felt pretty good <laughs> about it, you know, within 10 days, but saying no is easy, you know? And for, for that moment, it was like, okay, I know I can do this. And I got, it's not like it's a huge commitment. It's a 10 day gig and I can do it and it's over with. Um, but it, it is still hard to, manage your time and manage how you want to spend your time. And, you know, that I knew was going to be important for my kid. And so I clocked in, but, you know, those types of things I think are worthy of attention versus this, you know, showing up at an event or doing something, you know, that maybe isn't what you want to be doing, that kind of stuff you can kind of disregard. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And like, you know, what? I, as I'm saying, I'm transitioning and levels of whatever uh you know there's asks that are happening from like who I used to be and it's been interesting like seeing what resonates for me still and what doesn't and like how to how to say yes and how to say no to those things and um you know what we call that in my world we call that becoming a grown-ass woman taylor and when you become a grown-ass woman things are different right the things that you think about the way you think about things are different. The way you react to things is going to be different. I don't know what it is. Is it just because we're getting older? I don't know. Well, (laughs) older. And then, uh, and, and yeah, you're like you said, you know, your time is more valuable and your perspective is changing. My perspective on things is changing. My value of my time and energy and work is, is changing. You know, it's great. So I have daughters, I got a 10 and a 12 year old. So right now we're kind of in the, the cusp of the tween, you oh, know, yeah. everything's very dramatic and oh my God. But it's funny because I'm watching her go through these like, oh my God moments where it's like the worst thing in the world. And you remember being that age. I do. Yeah. And her worst thing in the world. I'm looking at it going like, girl, what? <laughs> this, is, this is insignificant. And, and I think as we age, whether we're, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, those things I think shift and become less, you know, predominant or important as we go. My dad would always tell me, you know, is this going to bother you in five days, five weeks, five months, and five years? And the things that are going to be a decision that's going to have to do with five years down the road, those are the major like things that should get your crazy attention and the rest of it's just all noise. Yeah. And it's such a good piece of advice. I think about that often. That's great. <laughs> That's right? Because there's tons of things that ruffle our feathers that in two weeks we forget about. I'm over it, right? Yeah. Or or even, you know, five months can be sometimes like a big decision to make. Like, how is this going to? But the five-year guys, those are the ones that really, really kind of stop you in your tracks and you got to think through and give energy to and the rest of it it'll all work itself out yeah totally i gotta use that on her i gotta like bring that out of the archives and bring that to her the next time she's having a meltdown about something stupid (laughs) totally that's great great job grandpa yeah (laughs) 
My dad's fun. He's like Yoda. He's so smart. He's so smart. Grandpas are sometimes are like that. That's that's awesome. He sounds great. Yeah. That's great. And you're obviously a reflection of him. Um, that's cool. I hope in the best ways. <laughs> the other one he would always say to us growing up was me and my brother would always be getting in trouble and he'd be like, listen, either you can't, you won't, or you don't know how. That was like the three pillars of why we were like making the error that we were making. The can't, won't, don't know how. Yeah. I've actually brought that up in an argument with my husband one day. I was like, either you can't, you won't, or you don't know how. <laughs> He's like, like, where did that come yeah. from? I was like, my dad. That's some of my dad's business right there. <laughs> That's like bumper sticker stuff. It's right? so good. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Maybe you should start a little, <laughs> another side business. A little side business with yeah. my dad's brilliant quotes on bumper yeah. stickers. On bumper stickers and just uh -huh. like, wisdom for the people while they're right. driving their car no it's good it's they're good. getting upset they're just getting smarter <laughs> seriously that's good i'll have to tell them that yeah yeah um okay so you know you're a podcast all things women you're you know women foundation and um i would say that i am a uh i'm a major supporter of all things women uh i would consider myself a feminist and i looked up the definition and the definition is an advocate of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes equality of the sexes and uh, a person who supports feminism and you have and like i feel like the equality element is um is really like what stands out to me and i would i just like imagine you know while being a woman in general and then being a woman in your position of like a relative level of influence and success and power, um, you know, you see these things all the time and you run into like these issues all the time and you're seeing women run into all these issues. Um, I guess I, I don't know, like if I have a question about it or anything, I'm just like, I feel so sympathetic to everything about it. And I see that it's like such bullshit in so many ways. And um and it feels like uh, every this this whole society is this construct that has been built through time from people from the past and um, what's really needing to happen and what is happening, but it needs to happen a lot more is just like a paradigm shift of understanding of the way that uh, we can all coexist. Well, and I think the biggest thing is that women our generation and the generation that's coming after us, like we're going to be the ones that can help shift this narrative because we continue to need to, you know, roll the ball forward. Even though every single day, I feel like we get things taken away from us and we get farther away from the point. I mean, right now with like what's going on with our healthcare and, you know, just women still making less money and women still not having the same opportunities. I mean, it's like, it's 2023 for God's sakes world like wake up um and i don't know i don't know what it's going to take to make it a better place other than us continuing to have these conversations and to raise our w young women to be strong and to stand up for themselves and to ask for more money in a job or you know be outspoken and not be ashamed to speak their truth because for so many years that was like not allowed and, you know, it's like, we're the ones that get to change the way that this moves forward. Although it's hard work and it's hard work every single day. And I get, I get told like, well, why is, 
you know, the Sparkle Foundation, your, your tag is, I remember, actually, let me go back. When I started this uh, and decided I was going to have a nonprofit, I, there was a guy that was in the neighborhood and he wanted to be involved as friends with his wife. And he was kind of one of these kind of people that it was always like trying to like one up the girls, like kind of have this like big dick energy, if you will, about things. And it was like not warranted or, and to be around a bunch of women that were very assertive and powerful in our own right. It was like, kind of like, dude, shut up. Like we're all on the same team here, buddy. And I remember sitting in my kitchen and we were having a uh, video made for one of our events. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't understand why it needs to be women helping women. And I was like, dude, I've been doing this for so many more years before you even came into the picture. And like, you don't go to the cancer research center and tell them that they need to shift into, you know, Alzheimer's like what? Like, and it was right before I was supposed to go on camera and he did it on purpose just to be a dick and to like throw my, my energy off. And I remember that night and maybe two or three days later, I just was like, look, like, you're, you're off. Like you can't be a part of this organization. I, I like volunteer job you're fired from Yeah, because <laughs> your energy was so wrong. And it was like, that type of mentality is why women have such a hard time, you know? And it's not that we're sexist or like, we're only here to help women in this way. It's like, we have a focus and it's single moms and that's what we do. And we're predominantly women that do it. But a lot of our supporters and a lot of our big donors are men because they were raised by a single mom, their sister's a single mom, they connect with what we're doing. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, we're just trying to do good work, you know, and our mission and focus happens to be women. So, you know, the moral of the story is most organizations, I think it's like 90% of the organizations out there, and I don't want to use a percentage, but I do think it is in the high 90s, it's um, animals and um, like, environment, less than 10% is given to women and children when it comes to funding nonprofits, less than 10%. That's gross. You know, that, that's a hard number and that's a hard number to like look at, you know? And so I don't know, it, it it's, I could, t I like, I feel my blood boiling. <laughs> no, totally. Well, and one thing that really stands out to me, like <clears throat> that guy asking why, um, well, because so much of the responsibility and the burden of childbearing and then raising a child gets placed on women's shoulders. How many, what percentage of single parents are single fathers versus single mothers? 80% of single parents are women. 80 there we go. And then you couple that with the, you know, lower pay rates, less opportunities, less structural help for women to just like move up in their society. I mean, <clears throat> the deck is stacked against it. 100%. And we didn't talk about this before, but the reason single moms is my grandma was a single mom in the 50s. And so when I grew up, I always would hear stories of like how my dad, my aunt, my uncle were raised by this woman who was, um, she was very like Catholic family and the church had like outcasted her because she was, you know, divorced. And my, I wouldn't even call my grandfather, but my dad's dad left her pregnant for like another woman and started another family. And it was like, she was literally all alone um, and never asked for help or did anything. And so when I 
was it, you know, had made this decision. I was going to do something even prior to starting Sparkle. It was like, I'd always gravitate towards families that didn't have a dad just because I knew those families were the ones that were needing it because it's such an underserved community. Um, and the more I dove into it, it was like absolutely an underserved community and still is today. I mean, nobody talks about the single moms, right? They don't. And where I live is a very um, affluent area. It's Marin County. It's one of the most wealthiest counties in California. And I can't tell you how many women are like just getting by that are single moms. And so to be able to like help, you know, even just plug a hole for a season, I mean, that that's something that can pay huge dividends for them. Totally. And it doesn't have to be, you know, super dramatic or anything. And it can be such a big thing. I mean, I was... Uh, recently approached by a, a woman that, uh, you know, it was like a, a kid that wanted to swim and, you know, kind of gave a whole story about how this kid, mom couldn't afford to do swim and swims a big commitment. It's like five days a week. It's seven or $800 a season. And so we ended up funding the swim and I have never seen, you know, they were so grateful and so happy. And this kid was so excited and, you know, just to be able to do that for somebody. I mean, that's a pretty awesome feeling. Um, and so, you know, being able to, to shift a positive narrative for women as little as it may be for us is such a huge win. And we do it, you know, as much as we possibly can. Totally. Totally. And again, like the, the upward momentum of what that helps, um, is, is just, um, and to keep a kid, keep a kid engaged, you know, to keep a kid, right. you know, that, and to have a mom not have to sit and stress out about that. I mean, you know what it's like to not, we've all know what it's like to not have money or to be stressed out about money and, to then have to take care of a child and and not have them be able to do what they want to do be, because they're just a victim of a circumstance that's completely out of their control. I mean, that's, I think that's the part that feels the best is when we can help there because it is so, I mean, children being engaged is everything and team sports is everything because it teaches them so much about what it's like to get out there in the big world. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's so much energy and time. Like I don't have kids, but I see, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports. I know how much time and energy it goes and in, goes into it's it. It's expensive. Oh my gosh. So expensive. Yeah. And especially nowadays. It's so expensive. We um, just sent off, I think our 21st scholarship this year. Um, and what's cool is we pay the programs directly. So we make sure the money goes exactly where it's supposed to go, which I've always done, I think is great. Um, but we've done like art, theater, tutoring, um, swimming. We just did a, we had a woman who contacted us where a father had um, taken his own life in front of his kid. Jeez. And you're just like reading the story and you're just like, oh my God. And so they were going to go to Disneyland as a family for this little girl's eighth birthday. And now all the money was going to pay for dad's funeral. And like totally not our normal thing, but like I went to the board and I was like, I don't know what, but like, we got to do something. So we ended up um, buying Disneyland tickets to send the kid, the family and the mom and the kid to Disneyland. But like, you know, just little things like that. I mean, and I thought as I was talking to the board about it, I was like, I don't know if this is like one of those things that's going to be really something that's remembered, but, but to be able to have that experience and always remember your first time that you got to go to Disneyland. I mean, we all remember those first cool moments and the kids ate. So I, I thought that it would be an impactful you know, moment, but like, what a tragedy. Oh yeah. You know, like, yeah. so we see all kinds of stuff like that and, you know, little, little sparkles here and there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's putting sparkles on situations that 
are darker and yeah. yeah it's uh it's weird that competitiveness like that guy was having you know and um uh, i think about it sometimes i think about this how like the concept of the battle of the sexes it's like i feel like it's one of the the battle of the sexes is like a one-sided like women aren't trying to battle men i don't think that it's like it's like the male competitiveness um like guys just like take it into this so i was having dinner with this girlfriend of mine who's a powerhouse commercial real estate broker in san francisco which she is one of one right she's one of one that's still standing and very successful and we were chatting and she's like you know the guys have always been really nice to me and i was like dude because they it's keep your enemies what is it keep your friends close and your enemies closer i'm like dude you're a triple threat of course they're going to be nice to you and she's like i never thought about that way i'm like you can walk into a room and you're going to get the business because you're the only chick right and you've got a way about you that is like there's no question why you're successful and she's like dude i never thought about it that way i'm like yes that's exactly the way it is. She's like, some of them have been awful though to her through the years. And I was like, of course, because they, it's it's like when a woman is better than a, like an older school kind of guy, it's totally like a competitive thing. I mean, and I even see that in insurance because it's a very pale male and stale environment. And here I walk in and I'm like with my bright yellow nails and my little, my bright red lipstick and my pencil skirts. And you know, it's, I've had men say terrible things, you know, competitors of mine are like trying to undermine me. And I'm like, dude, we're not, in, there's plenty of seats at the table, dude. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of seats at the table. If they want to do business with me, it's because I'm, you know, just got a better pitch than you do. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. All of that men. Oh, men. But we do. I mean, there's so many men like yourself that are supportive and amazing. And like, you know, we can sit toe to toe and have a comfortable conversation, maybe even about things that we don't agree on, but to be able to have, you know, a banter. I mean, and that's, I think, such an appreciative quality of individuals. Um, but I do notice that when, I mean, we're in California, so we kind of have this, this V vortex right on the coast of different types of ways we think. And if you get into the nitty gritty of the wonderful US of A, it, it is a very different landscape. And unfortunately, those are the places that I think have a lot of work to do when it comes to women's issues across the board. Right. Yeah. And and you just got to like, I just feel sorry for women being born into situations and different places in the country and different mindsets that they have to deal with. Um, yeah, it, I feel like. I mean, zooming out a little bit on the, the concept of competitiveness in general, like, I feel like the concept of competition in business and in life and everything like that, like, it really, um, it reminds me of golf, kind of, like, golf's an interesting game because you're playing against each other, but you're really, like, really the game is whoever does the best at themselves wins. And so like life and business and everything, like as an artist, you know, we're not, we're not competing against each other. Um, but some artists have this like competitive, like, you know, there's only, there's only a limited number of seats at the table type attitude. But I feel like very different where if you just like dive into you and you do the best that you're going to be, you know, do best you can do, be the best you, then you're going to 
you're going to blossom into whatever and whoever, and it doesn't matter who's around you and what, you know, and everyone's going to be, there's enough room for everybody and enough niches to fill and enough, um, like every, there's plenty of people need help. Plenty of people, you know, like (laughs) we don't need to like, you know, act like we need to fight for the scraps that are here. Like everybody can just be supportive. We all have our own unique, like, so I have, I have a lot of wonderful girlfriends. One of them would always say, well, that's your average power, right? So we all have our average power, which is something that's average, but it's special to us because we can amplify it. So my average power is I'm a connector of people. Like if I'm doing something, you and everyone around me is going to know to show up at this time to do this because we're going to make this happen together. That's my talent. Um, but also when it comes to art or when it comes to service or whatever, everyone's got their own secret sauce that makes them unique and makes them get this versus not that and by in, and in different things. And so I think the moment when we stop competing and really realizing like what our internal measures of success are. So for me, when it comes to like my nonprofit world, I measure success on life, sir, not on dollars raised. Cause I could raise, you know, $300,000, but if I have only served 4,000 lives and last year I served 5,000, I'm like, gosh, I'm totally not meeting my mark. So for me, that's my measure when it comes to insurance. Is it policy sold or commissions earned or whatever the case is? I mean, they're, they're all different measures of success in different things. So I think you got to figure out what that means to you in whatever you're doing. And then that's what you go after instead of trying to knock somebody else down or take somebody else's seat or pull somebody else's chair out from under them. Um, Because at the end of the day, karma, as I was reminded today, always remembers the address. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) She said it was, uh, I don't remember who said it, it was some famous person. And I was like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. And it is so true, right? Like being a good person and doing good, like always pays forward a hundred times. Yeah. Being a jerk, you'll, your address is remembered. Yep. Totally. <laughs> totally. And being a jerk, it's funny because uh, I feel like being a jerk, you won't always get the karma coming. You won't always feel it, but you might just feel the absence or you might not even feel the absence of what could have come to you. You know, if you had been nicer, if you had been kinder, if you had been more like, uh, you know, positive working or whatever, like, um, yeah. I always think of it like if like you do something that's kind of like a dick move, like whatever it is. And then you're driving down the road and you get like a flat tire or, you know, you step in a piece of gum or like something stupid. Right. I always think like, God, I, sh- I sh- when I did that, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And maybe I this is you know, karma coming back at me, even as stupid as it is. Like, that's how I always think of those little things when dumb stuff happens. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have cut that person off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Karma. I like that. Remembers your address. Sure does. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, anything else? Any other ideas? Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, I just think we're all works in progress and yeah. we just kind of continue to work at it, work at, work at creating our best self, whatever the hell that means. And every day it might be different. Yeah. Yeah. See, you are an artist talking about works <laughs> in progress. 
<laughs> today my my work of progress is just like get up and just like deal with a Monday, right? Because Monday yeah. after a hard weekend of kid activities and running around, um, you know, it, it's some days are, are definitely easier than other days. And that's, I think, what makes life exciting and yeah. challenging. And, uh, you know, it's finding ways to live a life with purpose of whatever that is for you. That's yeah. kind of my anthem. Yeah, totally. The The purpose and the why definitely helps you um, get going and keep moving. It's funny, I'm doing this cleanse right now. And one of the things I'm not having is ca caffeine. <laughs> and Monday without any caffeine in the morning. I'm out. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Just oh no. I could go without anything. Like I can't go without coffee. Yeah. Like I, I no. Like I remember when I was pregnant two times. One of the things you're not allowed to have is coffee, and I'd be like, Ooh. "Fuck it, dude. I'm having the cup of coffee." <laughs> I, I remember calling my OB. I was like, "Dude, you've taken everything away. You've taken alcohol. You've taken sushi. You've taken deli meat." Can yeah. I at least have the cup of coffee? She's like, just have one. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's a real it's a real thing. <laughs> but ch doing something and challenging yourself is kind of cool, right? It is cool. Yeah. And like, you know, life as art, uh, you know, in terms of art projects, I like to kind of change the parameters, take one color away for this painting or like work in a limited palette. And uh, I feel like right now I'm like working in a limited palette and then seeing how things flow. And um, and it's cool. It, you definitely, you know, my sense of time is a little bit different. And like I, you know, going to sleep is a little bit different. Waking up is a little bit different. Everything's just a little bit different. And like the flow of life and and it's, and it's also cool um, kind of, you know, seeing where I have attachments and then seeing like what I can do about that. And like, mm -hmm. can I deal with it? Can I not? Um, how do I, how do I, do I replace it with something? Like whatever. Dude, I love it. Again. <laughs> So much appreciation for the artist mind. Me? <laughs> I don't have that, but I but I love that you do. I'm excited to see see some of your work. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's out there. I'll share some with you. <laughs> cool. cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the Art and Life podcast. This has been awesome. Um, hang out for a second and uh I'll talk to you after I stop the recording. You want to say bye to the people? Bye, everybody. <laughs> Cheers. So that's it. That's the Art and Life podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. Hope this is inspiring your life and your work in awesome ways. If you want to check out my art and my offerings, like fine art prints and cool merchandise with my art on it, jump over to my website. It's taylorgallegosart.com and you can also follow me and connect with me on Instagram and LinkedIn. So thanks. Till next time.